word this morning, let's come before him in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Even passages like Isaiah 58, which are challenging and difficult for us to hear. Lord, I pray as we open up this passage and we hear from you that you would speak to us. Convict our hearts of those things that need convicting. Transform our minds that we might become more like Jesus. For we pray these things in his name and for his sake. Amen. Friends, I wonder, have you ever been in that situation where there is something that is in plain sight and yet you just can't see it until someone else points it out to you? If you're a mother and a wife here this morning, I'm sure that's a situation you face every single day like Housey Wife does. This is what she tweeted. She said, sorry, I was late because I had to find all the things that were in plain sight for my husband. That's definitely the situation in my household, friends. Uh, just last Sunday, I was heading down uh, the south coast to Nara to do a deputation in Nara. We'd been away for a few days with friends and I went to have a shower and I said to my wife, where is my body wash? It was in the shower where it was meant to be. It was in plain sight and yet it took her to point it out to me before I saw it. So often in life... Things can be in plain sight right in front of us and yet it takes someone else to point it out to us. A few years ago, Rick Warren made this confession. He said, I went back and I began to read scripture and it was like blinders came off. Now, I've got three advanced degrees. I had four years in Greek and Hebrew. I've got doctorates and how did I miss 2,000 verses in the Bible where it talks about the poor. How did I miss that? I mean, I went to two different seminaries and a Bible school. How did I miss 2,000 verses on the poor? Friends, that quote summarises so much of my life. I was fortunate to grow up at Nawi Baptist Church, a church that impressed upon me the scriptures and the importance of the scriptures. Every week, whether that be in Sunday school or at youth ministry or in church, we would open up the scriptures and we would have the scriptures explained to us. At the same time, it was a church that impressed upon me God's concern for the poor. Every August, without fail, we would encourage people to take up child sponsorship with Baptist World Aid. Every Christmas, without fail, we would take up a Christmas appeal for Baptist World Aid. And yet, friends, somehow I did not see it. Somehow I did not see the 2,000 verses in the Bible that talks about the poor. Somehow I missed the fact that God's heart is for the weak, for the marginalised, for the oppressed... For the poor, sometimes in life there are things that are just in plain sight and yet we just don't see them. We don't see them until someone else points it out to us. That's certainly the case in this passage here in Isaiah 58, a passage that personally challenges me every single time I preach it. Every single time I preach this passage, God challenges me personally. It's challenging because it brings into plain sight what we often don't see 
or more to the point, what we don't want to see. I don't want to be challenged. I'm quite comfortable in my life and yet this passage challenges my values, my lifestyle and says if I want to be truly worshipping God, if I want to have true devotion to Him, then that's not necessarily only what we do on a Sunday but how we actually live out our lives. So if you have your Bibles with you today, I would say buckle up and get ready because this passage is quite challenging and open up your Bibles to Isaiah 58 and and God speaks through his prophet Isaiah and Isaiah 58 starts off with the Lord saying, shout it out loud, don't hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet. God is saying through his prophet Isaiah, I've got a message for my people and I want them to hear it loud and clear it's not going to be an easy message but they need to hear the message and the message that God has for his people comes in verses three to five it's a message that God despises their pretentious religion God despises their pretentious religion have a look with me if you've got your Bibles there verses three to five why have we fasted Israel says and you have not seen it why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed. This is a low point in Israel's history. Once Israel was the superpower of the world under King David, now it has fallen and is just a pawn in the game, the political game of the three superpowers that surround it. In the north it's Assyria and then Babylon and in the south it's Egypt and it's getting squeezed from both sides and it is suffering And Israel is saying to the Lord, why aren't you listening to us, God? Where are you? We humble ourselves and fast. Why aren't you listening to us? And God responds to them. This is God's response. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and you exploit your workers. You exploit your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrelling and strife and you strike each other with wicked fists. You can't fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen, to humble oneself for one day? Is it only for the bowing of one's head like a reed and for laying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Do you get the picture here, friends? God won't respond to them. They're fasting and bowing their heads, but there's injustice That's taking place in their society and God is saying, I won't hear you. I hate your pretentious religion. I hate your religion that's all about show. You you fast and you bow your heads and you throw ashes and, you know, I'm not interested in that sort of stuff. I despise that sort of stuff while there's still oppression and injustice in your world. If you think that's rather harsh, in Amos 5, God even goes further This is what he says through his prophet Amos in Amos 5 verse 21. He says, I hate, that's the word of the scripture there friends, that's not my word, that's not my interpretation. He says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. They stink, they stink. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard with them. Away with the noise of your songs. I'm sure the Lord was listening to me in the shower when he came up with those words. Away with the noise of your songs. You getting the picture here, those friends? 
He says, I will not listen to the music of your harps. God hates pretentious religion. God hates pretentious religion. Don't hear me wrong though, friends. What I'm not saying this morning, I'm not saying that you should stop coming to church. I'm not saying that you should stop praying. I'm not saying that you should stop reading your scriptures. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is, is if our faith is only that, is only reading the scriptures and coming to church to be seen to do the right things, then God despises that kind of religion. He actually wants to see a faith in us that will not only transform our lives but actually transform the lives of others. God despises our pretentious religion. You know, I had a mate when I was in Bible college called Stephen and Stephen wasn't what you would consider your normal Bible college student. Uh, Stephen would be considered edgy. You know, he was rough around the edges, if you know what I mean. His hair was everywhere. Maybe that's why I was jealous of him. Uh, His hair was everywhere. He had a beard. He had tattoos. You know, if you're at Bible college now, you'd just be considered hipster. But back then, uh, he wasn't normal. Stephen wasn't normal. He was edgy. He was out there. You know, the problem for Stephen was most churches didn't want edgy student pastors. They wanted straighty 180 kind of pastors, like pastors like John here, you know. They wanted those kind of pastors, sort of pastor you could take home to your mother on Sunday lunch, you know. Stephen was not like that at all. And the irony is the only churches desperate enough to call Stephen as a student pastor was one of those inner city churches that were dying, you know, the churches with had 20 elderly members in it. And talk about a clash of cultures. Anyway, Stephen came back uh, to college one week and was telling me he was preaching on that Amos 5 passage that I just shared about, you know, away with the noise of your songs, you know, I will not listen to the music of your harps. He was preaching on that passage and he decided to really emphasise the point by overturning the communion table. Don't worry, friends, I won't do that this morning. (laughs) He overturned the communion table and the elements went everywhere. Needless to say, he didn't last very long in that church. I actually bumped into Stephen's family just recently up in the Central Coast and his wife tells me he's now a chaplain in prison ministry. I just think that's so perfect for you, Stephen. It's amazing how God works, right? Takes our talents and our giftings and, and uses it for his kingdom. But friends, sometimes, sometimes I just think, I wish I was more like Stephen. I just want to rattle my own cage and I want to rattle your, own ca- your cage as well and say, do you actually hear the words that God is speaking in here? You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? To humble yourselves one day just for the bowing of one's head like a reed, for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to God. God hates pretentious religion. Religion that's all about show, to be seen to do the right thing, but doesn't transform our lives and doesn't transform the lives of those around us. Well, God continues through his prophet Isaiah in uh, Isaiah 58 and he speaks to his through his prophet and he reveals the kind of devotion that he wants. He doesn't care for religious pretension but he wants righteousness and justice to prevail. True worship is about righteousness and justice. Have a look with me again, verse 6 if you have your Bibles there. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? 
to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. When I read those verses, particularly verses 7 to 8, does it, is there a parable that comes to mind that Jesus told in the New Testament? Let me read those verses again too. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Does that remind you of a parable Jesus told? Reminds me of the parable of the sheep and the goats, right? You, you know this parable, right? The parable of the sheep and the goats? At the end of all time, Jesus will gather everyone together who calls themselves followers of Jesus and he'll separate them out, sheep and the goats, and he'll turn to the sheep and say, come, be a part of my kingdom. Because I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked, you clothed me. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I was sick, you looked after me. I was in prison, you went and visited me. And what will the sheep say to Jesus? When, Jesus? When were you hungry or thirsty? When were you naked? When were you a stranger? When were you sick? When were you in prison? And what will Jesus say to the sheep? He'll say, whenever you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. Then he'll turn to the goats and he'll say, away from me, goats, you have no part in my kingdom. For I was hungry, you did not feed me. I was thirsty, you did not give me something to drink. I was naked, you did not clothe me. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. I was sick, you did not look after me. I was in prison, you did not visit me. What would the goats say? Whoa, 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 whoa. When, Jesus? When were you hungry or thirsty or naked? When were you a stranger? When were you sick? When were you in prison? Jesus will say to him, whenever you didn't do it for the least of these... You didn't do it for me. Friends, do you see the connection here with our faith? If we're just doing this for show, God despises that. He hates that kind of religion. What he wants to see is justice and righteousness flow from his church. Whenever we do it for the least of these, we do it for him. Desmond Tutu uh, said these words, if you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. If an elephant has its foot on the tail of a mouse and you say that you are neutral, the mouse will not appreciate your neutrality. Friends, there's still many injustices that go unchecked today and we are a part of the systems that create those injustices. The cocoa industry, still slavery in the cocoa fields, there's slavery in the cocoa fields. Do you know why, friends? You know, last year, the amount of money that we gave to cocoa farmers dropped by 40% and we demand that they employ uh, people, not uh, child slave labour, and they say, how can we do that? How can we do that? We're just trying to survive here. Cocoa companies are not guaranteeing living wages for their cocoa farmers. So this Easter... When you eat chocolate eggs, make sure you eat chocolate eggs that have been certified with either UTZ certification, Fair Trade certification or Rainbow Alliance certification and send a message 
to those chocolate companies that do not certify where their cocoa comes from. The fashion industry, the electronics industry, so many injustices still come through that. Up the back there uh, today I'll have some ethical guides, ethical fashion guide, ethical electronics guide. They are making a huge difference in the lives of people overseas, and particularly that fashion guide that ranks Australian fashion companies A to F on, depending on how they look after their workers, A being good, F being a fail. You know, there are company after company has changed their behaviour because Baptist people in Baptist churches are putting up their hand and saying, it's not good enough. The injustice is not good enough. We love your clothing, but you need to clean up your supply chains. Cotton on, right? $3 billion organisation. When we first started that fashion guide five years ago, Cotton On was an F. They would not engage with us, they couldn't care less. Recently, over the past few years, they have flown one of my colleagues, Gershon, over to Shanghai to address their global suppliers, every, every one of their global suppliers. This is Cotton On International, right? He tells me that he sat down with the CEO of Cotton On, a $3 billion organisation, friends, sat down with the CEO of Cotton On for lunch and the CEO turned to his chief financial officer and said, how much would it cost us to clean up our supply chain? And his chief financial officer did some sums on the back of a napkin and he said, I don't know, around $9 million. The CEO said, let's do it. In our last report, they scored A-, minus, one of the highest grades you can get. They continued to improve their supply chains. They continue to prove their supply chains because Baptist people in Baptist churches stood up and said enough is enough. This injustice cannot continue. I can talk to you about David Jones. I could talk to you about Kmart. I could talk to you about Big W and Target. All companies that are cleaning up their supply chains now because Baptist people in Baptist churches put up their hands and said this injustice cannot continue. Roger David has just come on board like recently, within the last few weeks, they're going to clean up their supply chains. Friends, God loves that kind of worship. Kind of worship where God's people stand up and said, this cannot continue, this injustice cannot continue because God loves justice, God loves righteousness. James, uh, in chapter 1, verse 27, says these words, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself polluted from the world. God loves it when his people get involved in justice and righteousness because they're his values, friends. They're his kingdom's values. Well, finally, in verses 9 and 10, God gives us his people this fantastic promise. Have a look at verse 9 if you have your Bibles there. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Friends, if we seek justice and righteousness, if we give ourselves over to the poor, the hungry, the oppressed, the persecuted, God states to the people of Israel, that their light will rise in the darkness and they'll become like a noonday sun. But that's not just a promise for Israel. I believe that's a promise for all of God's people throughout all of God's history. If we give ourselves over to the oppressed, to the poor, to the marginalised, to the weak, then God's light will burn through us and we'll shine a light into the darkness. You know, the penny dropped for me when I was pastor at Kaima Baptist Church. A group of ladies went to a women's conference not too far away from here and they came back and they were fired up 
and they wanted to raise money for our aid and development agency and as pastor, I, the first question I asked them, what do you need from me? They said, nothing. I said, go ahead, do what you like then. And, and they did a gala night and they had 600 people in Kaima Leisure Centre. Three of those tables were Kaima Baptist Church people. I knew 30 people there that night. I didn't have a clue who the other 570 people were. No idea whatsoever. And the penny dropped for me. I thought, yeah, people don't want our pretentious religion. They don't want to come to church and sing songs and do all that sort of stuff. But when we start getting involved in justice issues and we start showing concern for the poor, they want to get on board with that. People in our community want to get on board with that kind of stuff. So we reorientated ourselves as a church. We start to serve our community. We're already doing some stuff. Uh, there was a group called Kaima Singers, a group of women that would go out and sing songs like hymns and other songs to shut-ins in nursing homes. I, I, I started to champion that ministry and encourage those women where I hadn't before. You know, we, we started a bread ministry where we collected bread from the local bakery and we had this awesome woman in our church who was a part of the PN see at Kaima Public School so she knew all the families in the area that were struggling we started delivering bread to those families uh, we, we started a Kids Hope program where we sent mentors into the school and started mentoring marginalised people and we started seeing people come into our church that we weren't expecting a Muslim man started attending our church it took me leaving that church as the pastor before he became a Christian, sadly, but he's now a Christian brother and within the next few weeks I'm going down to Kaima to baptise him. What an amazing privilege that is. We had a white witch turn up, friends, to our church, a white witch. That really freaked me out, I have to say. Have you heard the stories that there's witches' covenants all around and they pray against the marriages of pastors? Have you heard those kind of rumours? I was freaked out. I'm thinking, what's she doing here? Does she want to destroy my marriage? Turns out we'd been delivering bread to her and she thought she'd better come along and find out what the Baptists were all about, seeing we were delivering bread to them. You know, Erica had been smoking all her life and uh, finally it caught up with her and she died of lung cancer. But the last few months of her life I got to spend with her in hospital and just sharing with her uh, regularly. I don't know where she ended up spiritually, friends, I just don't know. But what I do know is that she asked me to take her funeral towards the end of her life. And she said to me, you make sure you tell my friends all about Jesus. So there I am at Erica's funeral telling all her white witch friends about Jesus. This is what happens, friends, when we give ourselves over to the poor and marginalised, where we start to serve our community. God's light will burn through us. His light will shine out. I used to, I still do, I love Thai food, but I used to go down regularly to the Thai restaurant in Kaima called Thai at Kaima. Really imaginative name, isn't it? I'd go down there and I met uh, the restaurateur PJ down there and one day I went to get lunch and I was walking out of her restaurant and PJ called me back, Cameron, Cameron, come back. And what is it, PJ? She said, are you the church above the surf shop? I said, yeah, that's my sh church. She said, oh good, you know, I've got some colleagues in my restaurant, they need to learn how to speak Thai. Again friends, this is how amazing God is, right? We had a young woman in our church who just graduated from primary teaching, education, degree in education, primary teaching and she felt a call by God to go to Thailand but she needed to spend a year in Australia to earn money before she could go to Thailand. And so she taught these restaurateurs English and they taught her Thai. It was amazing. But I said to PJ, well, why did you ask if we were the church above the surf shop? She said, because you're the church that helps people. 
Friends, you could have knocked me over with a feather at that point. I had no idea that was the reputation we were building out in the community, but that is the promise here in Isaiah 58, is it not? If we give ourselves over to the poor, the marginalised, the oppressed, if we speak up for justice and righteousness, God's light will burn through us. Friends, I want to thank you for your partnership in Nepal, but not only your partnership in Nepal, I know you're going on this journey as well. I know you have joined partnerships locally and regionally as well as globally with us. And I want to thank you that you're starting on that journey because I truly believe that's the kind of worship and devotion God wants. And if we give ourselves over to the poor and marginalised and to the weak and those who have no voice, then his, his light will burn through us. You know, so many times in life there are things that are just in plain sight and yet we don't see them until someone points them out to us. Having reread the scriptures, it's hard to miss the fact that God is so concerned for the poor, weak and marginalised. Just go back to the Gospel stories, friends. Go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. It's there on every page. Jesus is concerned for the weak, the poor, the marginalised. You see, God despises. He hates pretentious religion. Religion that's all about being seen to do the right thing but doesn't transform our lives, doesn't transform the lives of those around us. Instead, true worship of God is to seek justice and righteousness and the promise we see in this passage here this morning that if we seek justice and righteousness your light will shine his light will burn through you like the noonday sun let me uh, lead us in prayer heavenly father we thank you for the passage of Isaiah 58 it's a tough passage lord god for us in the west who live comfortable lives you're calling us lord god to live lives of justice and righteousness to speak up for those who have no voice. As John said earlier around communion, to sacrifice and to give, to become poor that others might become rich. Lord, we know that's exactly what you did, that out of your poverty we became rich and you call us to give and to be a part of your kingdom's work. Help us, Lord God, to do that. Help us to be a part of your righteousness, a part of your justice. Help us to be... Uh, people that give ourselves over to the poor, to the hungry. And that when we do that, Lord God, that your light would burn through us and that we would be like the midday sun in this world of darkness. Lord God, we don't pray that for our own benefit or for our own sake. We pray that for your sake. Amen.